Well, I'm excited about talking about a father that's kind of an unsung hero in the Bible. His name is Jesse. He was David's father, King David's father. Uh, and, and the thing about Jesse is he gets a bad rap. And the reason he gets a bad rap is because his worst fathering moment got recorded in history, right? I'm so thankful that there's not someone running around my house with a camera or a video camera filming everything I've ever said or done to my kids. You know what I mean? Like I would have to leave town, right? I mean, I would be embarrassed with some things I've said that I regret. I'm openly admitting that. And so I think all of us as fathers have had bad moments where we're like, wow, I was like a lousy dad day, right? We've all had that. But thank God we're not judged by that one moment. We're judged by our body of work, like how we are as a father over the, the long haul. And I have had to go to my kids multiple times and tell them, I'm really sorry. I've had to say it to Sophie. I've had to say it to Mason, to Cole, and say, I'm really sorry. I blew it. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. I'm so sorry. And so, and the thing that's great about children is that they're resilient. They love you. They long for you to love them. And so they will quickly overcome that if you are sincere in that, which I recommend you doing. So Jesse kind of blew it one day when, when uh, basically a prophet came to town named Samuel and he said, line up your boys. I'm going to choose one to be the next king. David wasn't even invited to the party. Instead, David was watching the sheep. Uh, and I don't think his dad meant any ill will by it. He, he, we, show, we see later on that Jesse loved his son. It wasn't about that. It was that he just assumed like any Jewish father would of that. It would be the firstborn that's going to get something good. That's just the way it went in their culture. So he thought, surely Eliab, who was, who was Jesse's oldest son, will, if, they, if he came to anoint a king and one of them is going to be one of my boys, it's going to be the firstborn. They just assumed it. And so, but that is not, is not what happened. But unfortunately for Jesse, it got recorded in the history of the Bible, what he did. So, but he also did a lot of other good things. So we're going to talk about that today. But I just want to encourage you, maybe you've done something foolish and maybe it got recorded. Maybe it's on the internet. Maybe you can't get away from something. Maybe you, there's been a, you know, someone's published something about, or, or maybe you just can't get past the thought of what you did, that, you know, there were family members who were there and what you said was publicly known to your kids or your spouse or whoever, and you feel like, I feel so much shame for that. I've got good news for you. Take Jesse to be your example, to realize, yeah, he may have blown it once, but guess what? If you look at the whole body of work of Jesse's life, he did a lot more good than bad. And so I just want to encourage you today to know that God is a God of grace, a God who renews us, a God who gives us second chances. And so God is not done with you. Just be encouraged. God has good plans for you. So let's dive right into the story. This is out of 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. I'm going to dive right in. Here's, here's what's going on. Saul is the current king. He's really not a very good guy. He ultimately loses his mind, becomes a really horrible guy. But, but God says, I'm going to lift my hand from Saul. I'm going to put it on a new king. And he tells Samuel the prophet to go anoint a new king. And so 1 Samuel 16 says this, find a man named Jesse, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Invite Jesse and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Now he's scared. Samuel's like, uh, there's already a king. If, it gets word, if word gets out that I went to anoint another king, I'll probably be killed. God says, I want you to go on the down low. Don't talk it up. Take a, a, a lamb with you, or take a heifer actually says, take an animal with you to sacrifice and you're going to anoint the next king. Don't tell anyone. I love this because there's two ways God works. Sometimes he works through miracles, which we always love, but sometimes God works through strategy. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in a situation where you feel kind of stuck and, and God's not providing a miracle, God provides you a good mind, so figure it out. So we forget that, that God also wants us to use good strategy. 
So he says, hey, look, just go anoint him and don't do it in a big public way. It's fine. I, I've got this, Samuel. I told, I'm telling you to do this, so just do this without making a big, you know, like don't bring trumpeters with you. It's okay. We can still do this. So he goes to anoint the next king. Let's pick up in the story. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked, did, did you come in, do you come in peace? Now, the reason I did this is because Samuel recently had had someone killed. So they're like a little nervous. They're like, uh, I'm not sure why he's here, but I hope he's not coming from my head. Right. They're a little nervous about this because Samuel is a very, a very powerful man. He was the prophet of God for all of Israel. So what he said became law, pretty much, basically. The only one who could, who could usurp him and go above him was the king. But when kings did, it didn't go well for him. Kings need to listen to the prophets, too. So that's what's going on. He says, yes, basically, he says, nothing bad's going to happen. I'm here in peace. Then he says this, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Now notice he says, let's have a purification rite before I anoint someone. Maybe every time you go to God right now, you feel like he's correcting you. That's not because God is on you or he's mad at you. It's because God always purifies before he anoints. So let God do that. Let God change some things in you. It's a sign, if, if you feel the conviction of God, that's not a sign of God saying, I'm mad at you. It's God saying, I have something great for you, but I've got to prepare you for it. So let God purify you, right? Good word, isn't it? Let God change you. It's okay. He wants to do that. So the first thing we see about, about Jesse, number one, is that Jesse was a leader. He was full of wisdom. How do we know that? He was an elder of their town. So Jesse was among the elders of Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem, Bethlehem is not a famous town yet, but he becomes famous because of David and then ultimately because of Jesus. They were both from Bethlehem. It says, it says here in scripture that, that he was already there. So we know he was a leader. Also, when you lead yourself, dad, when you lead yourself well, then you will raise leaders by default. And so here's the thing, dad, you become the standard whether you like it or not. And so how you treat uh, your, your spouse, guess what? That's the standard for how they will treat their spouse, your kids where you are financially. You know, your kids will typically reach where you are financially. You know why? Because they will not allow themselves to live less than the way you raised them. And so generally people who do well in life financially, guess what? Their kids generally do well in life as well. Why? Because they're like, I will not accept anything less than what I was raised in. And so it becomes a standard. In the same way, dad, you become the standard spiritually for your children as well. If you want to know the temperature, the spiritual temperature in your family right now, stick the thermometer in your mouth, dad because that will tell me how things are going spiritually in your family. And even if your kids stray, they will come back to the standard that you hold. Dad, you're a big deal. And so I just wanna encourage you to understand that. And when you lead well, when you run your own life well, it challenges your kids to raise the bar in their life too. So I wanna encourage you to lead yourself well. And in doing so, you'll become a leader in your family. And so now before going any further though, I wanna throw in a bonus point. This isn't about Jesse. I've got one thing I wanna say beyond Jesse, okay? Cause I just couldn't resist, it was just too good. And so at this point, they line up all the boys, all but David's there. David's watching sheep in the back, but all the other boys are all lined up. Eliab's at the front. You know, they probably lined them up in birth order. That was very common. And so Eliab was just assumed to probably be the next king. And so he was good looking, he's tall, good looking. And so he's, you know, he's, he's ready to go. He's thinking, this is it. Look what happens. The Lord said to Samuel, don't look at how handsome Eliab is or how tall he is because I have not chosen him. God does not see the same way people see. People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just want to encourage you with this. David was the last pick. It said he was, scripture, another scripture says he was the seventh son. Seven means completion. 
Here's the good news about that. That means that, and by the way, if you're a scholar and you're doing the math, you're like, this math doesn't add up. They reject seven and David gets picked. That makes him eight. Well, we know somewhere along the line, probably one of the children died. So he was the seventh son, basically, at this point. Seven means completion. I've got some good news for you. If you've gotten passed up, that doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for you. It actually could be a sign of your anointing. So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm next. Just go and let them know right now, I'm next. And so if someone else got the promotion, someone else got the job, someone else got the opportunity, someone else got the girl, someone else got the opportunity for the, that you've been praying about and wanting, but that, that's a good opportunity. It's just not your God opportunity. So I've got news for you. God is looking at your heart. So even if everything else around you doesn't look that great, if you are focused on the Lord, if you are dedicated to Him, then God is purifying you. He's repairing you. He has something great for your life. You are not going to get passed up. He's got plans for you. He anointed David. He rose David up. David did amazing things in the same way we are called to be kings in this world, making a difference. God wants to use us to change this world just like he used David. And how did he raise him up? He raised him up and put him in a great home with a great dad. God's going to raise you up too. You are not missed. Anyways, I want to encourage you. God does have great things for you. So let's keep going in the story now. So the bonus point is when you're picked last, it's a sign of your anointing. It's not a sign that you are being passed up. So don't be discouraged if you didn't quite get what you wanted when you wanted it. None of us get everything when we want it at all. And so the number one quality of every great man and woman of God in the Bible is they all had to wait. Every one of them. There's never a moment you don't have to have a waiting period. It's okay. So look what happens next. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Shemaiah said, uh, uh, but Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Now, this is, of course, when we have this picture snapshot of Jesse realizing, oh, I feel so bad. I actually do have one more kid. I didn't even invite him to the party. He says, bring him at once. He says, I'm not even gonna sit until I meet him. So they go get Jesse, they go get David, they clean up quick, put on your best robe, get over there. So he gets there and as soon as he gets there, he realizes what's going on. I'm sure, I'm sure some, at some point David thought like, seriously, dad, you didn't invite me to this? Like, you gotta be kidding me. But at that moment, Samuel stepped up and says, you're the one. You're the one. Anoint him right now. So he anoints him with oil. He says, you are the next king. Now, before we get on Jesse any further, I want to stop and, and point something out. You notice, notice what Jesse doesn't do. Jesse could have said, now, wait a minute. I know you're the prophet, but I'm their dad. And this is Eliab. And he's the one. He's the first chosen. And so he's, he doesn't argue with the man of God. Instead, what does he do? Jesse followed spiritual authority and respected the man of God. You may want to write that down because I, I want to tell you right now, if you are not willing to be under authority, God won't give you authority. And so Jesse honored the man of God. He didn't even know Sam. Sam didn't know him from Adam. He's like, I don't even know who this guy is. Sam was just obeying God. And so he could have been like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? He didn't do that because something in him realized, well, he's not answering to me. He answers to God. And if God told him this, I need to go get my other son. So he did. And God anointed David. Think about this. Now, what if Jesse wouldn't have gotten David? Would David not have been anointed? No, God just would have went around Jesse and anointed him anyways. So I just want to encourage you, when you obey God, God doesn't have to go around you. God can use you greatly. You know, I think about our churches and all of our different locations. I pray God doesn't have to do his work around us. I hope he can do his work through us. So I believe it's a big deal. What, what if, if, if an earthquake happened at this moment and all of our campuses were swallowed up? Would anyone miss us? 
Like, I'm just curious, you know, like when anyone in the Stone Oak area of San Antonio think, man, where's that church? They were amazing and they were making such a big difference. Because that's, that's why we put it there, was to make a difference in, in San Antonio. I mean, I mean, think about that. Rockport Fulton, you know, we actually considered maybe this is God's will for us to not have a campus. I mean, the, the whole building was blown over and it was an act of God, literally. So is this God saying, no, God wanted us to renew that campus and now they're thriving and reaching their community in Rockport Fulton. God wants you there, right? I think about all of our campuses, Padre Island, where you're located, it's central. God, God's positioned you to impact that community. We've got all these people moving in. They're, it seems like they're all from California. Anyways, they're all moving in. It's really true. And you get there, you're like, I'm from California. Of course you are, because you can sell your house for $7 million. You come here and buy five, you know, anyways. But, but they all move here. But what's great is, is that we are centrally located to impact that community, God's doing a great work there. Think about Rodfield, you know, where you're located. That was, God put that on my heart years ago because the Rodfield area needs a thriving church to make an impact. And I know there's other great churches too. My point is this, guys, every location we have, God has positioned us. There are God moments when we knew this was what God wanted, which means that we're not supposed to, supposed to have God go around us. God should work through us. And so I want to challenge you, be a part of the solutions in this world. Plug into your church, make a difference, because that's why God called us to be here. We're supposed to change our communities. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. So, so let me jump back in Scripture here. There's so much stuff I could cover here. But I want to point out a couple other things about Jesse, too. And so then Jesse says, when he says, do you have any other boys? He says, well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. He says, same for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and, uh, and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So he gets anointed. But quick note, I want to point this out. It says he was out in the fields watching sheep and the goats, which tells me Jesse had fields, sheep and goats. That doesn't mean a lot to us today, but the truth is that meant that Jesse was wealthy. He had resources, he had fields. I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of fields with goats on them, right? And so, but people who do, that is a sign of wealth. And I just, I just, I can't help but, but stop here and just tell you that ownership is a sign of wealth. So owning your own place, that's a, you know, maybe God's stirring in you about that. It's time to quit renting. It's time to start owning something so God can give you something to pass down to your children. And so again, it's just part of wealth. But, uh, but I want to mention here too, that he was a generous person. Uh, Jesse, we see in just a moment, was generous. But don't forget that Jesse also presented his sons for God's work. He could have thought, I don't want my kids to be anointed king. I want them to run my ranch. I don't want to do this. But he recognized this is what God wanted for them. And so he was willing to do that. In fact, look what happens next in, in Scripture. I want to point something else out. Um, because Jesse offers up his son, David, eventually to help the king. But, but he's a generous person. He's also astute financially. So let me... Uh, Fast forward in the story if I can. This is a part where uh, David's anointed king already at this point, but he's, he doesn't have any position for it. He's still just watching sheep. I think this is important. God will tell you things about your future without giving you promotion yet. God always promotes you on the inside before he promotes you on the outside. Let me say that again. Oh, come on. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. God will promote you first on the inside before he'll promote you on the outside. He's, he will tell you what you're going to do. And so God was already telling him, he said, I know you're the next king. And David was like, okay, well, what does that mean? So how does David get into the castle, right? Where the king is now, where Saul is, how does he do that? Look what God does. Some of Saul's servants, he's the current king, said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. 
whenever he, the tormenting spirit troubles you. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Now I'm curious, how would he know that? <laughs> how in the world? Apparently he was good enough to play in public because I guess one of the servants was probably from Bethlehem, was probably home one day when they were doing some kind of festival and they saw David up there playing the harp. Like, oh, look at that, he's a good harp player. I had no idea. So that's probably how this came about, if I had to guess, right? It says, uh, one of sons, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a, is a talented harp player. Saul sent messengers, messengers, excuse me, to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and wineskins full of wine. So he didn't just send David, he sent him with a bunch of stuff. Like, hey, I'm going to load you up with some food. You know, I'm going to give you a couple of animals. So he hooks him up. I'm sure it's like a Louis Vuitton bag. I mean, he's very nice. You know, like he hooked him up, right? So he says, here, here's my son. So he presents his son. Okay. Now, before I get into that, I wanted to stop and say, the fastest way to get into a castle is always through the servants' quarters. So how does David get in? If you're young in your career, let me help you right now. Because there's a lot of young people right now are, are frustrated. Like, it's like they, they don't care that I'm here. And it's because what happens is our generation, this is my fault. This is our generation's fault. We've done this with everything. Oh, you got up today. Congratulations. That's so wonderful. Oh, and you turned your assignment in. Oh, and, that's so, and so we've just like applauded everything so much that now you get to work your first job and, you're, and they're like, sit down, shut up and go to your job. And you're like, oh, how can you talk to me like that? Don't you know the difference that I can make? Don't you know I have all these great ideas? So, yeah, I know, because you went to four-year school. We did too. You know. Oh, but I've got this idea and I've got all this ambition. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Go in the corner and sit down and do what I told. What? So we got a generation of people that are upset. Like, why aren't you honoring all the ideas I have? And I've got this great and I can do this and I can make a big difference. And they're like, yeah, I know that. Go back where I told you and sit down and shut up and do your job. And we're frustrated, but you have to realize that the way to make a difference is not through the front door, it's through the back door, it's the service alley. And if you'll go in there and start making a difference and just helping and just go to work and say, how can I be helpful? How can I help those around me? If you will do that, it will expand your name faster than anything you can do at the front door. And eventually they'll recognize you. Recognition doesn't come at the front. It comes over time to just be faithful. I mean, how many countless stories do you hear about some actor or actress that doesn't have a famous family that just had to go to Hollywood and start waiting tables and going to, to, to tryouts over and over and over for years? I was recently talking to a friend of mine who, who lives in Hollywood. He's in the industry. He said the average actor gets their first gig eight years in. Eight. I mean, the whole, you know, you want to be young to make it? You just pass that up. And so I just want to encourage you that anything that's worth doing is going to take time and you have to start like everyone else at the bottom. So just know you have to pay that price. And so, I mean, there's countless stories of people who, you know, got record contracts with Sony or Paramount or whoever. And, and, and actually they, they started off in the mailroom and that's how they became to be who they are today. And so be humble enough to not have recognition all the time and just do your job. So David didn't show up and say, I'm the next king. He showed up and said, someone needed a heart player today? Yeah, right in here. Okay, yes, sir. I'll be right there. And then he started playing his harp. He's doing this thing. It's like, okay, that's what he was doing. He was simply doing the role he was given. So you're not recognized. David wasn't recognized for his great ability and his great shepherding. No, it's like, can you play the harp? Play the harp. Basically, go get me coffee. And that's what he did. So let's be humble. Now look, let me show you a couple of other things here. So what does Jesse do? Jesse is called by the, the king of Israel. Now, I want to mention something. I say this a lot, but I want to just give you a frame of reference. So in the Old Testament, Israel in the New Testament equals the church. 
So when you see God blessing Israel, he's blessing his people. Okay? Also in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean that every person that's Jewish naturally is going to heaven. No, that's not what it means. Because actually the Bible says even in the Old Testament, you have to believe on God. You have to believe in the Lord. Okay? And then it refers and points us to the New Testament in the Messiah being Jesus who proves he's a Messiah by dying and raising again. I can do a whole sermon. I won't. But let me just say this. Church and Israel are the same thing. So when Jesse offers his son to Israel, to the king, that's, that's his measurement of gift. They're like, here, you can, you can have my son. If, if that's what you need, king, here's my son. Let's fast forward into David's story. David now is a big deal. He's already conquered Goliath. Now David has married Saul's daughter. Now Saul has a jealous eye towards David that Saul starts to go crazy and starts to try to kill him multiple times. David has to run for his life, which if the king is after you, the king is also after your entire family, right? Look at 1 Samuel. Check this out. It says in, in uh, chapter 22, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives, that would include his father, joined him there. Stay here with me and don't be afraid. I will protect you with my own life. David tells several people there, including his own family. He says, I got you. I'm going to protect you. So think about that. S Jesse, early on, measures his gift to God by doing what? Here for Israel, for the king of Israel. Here's my son. Then later on, God says, you know what? You gave your son for the protection of the king who needed the tormenting spirits to go away. And now I'm going to give you back your son to protect your life, Jesse. So the way you measured out your sacrifice for Israel, for the church, for God, I'm going to measure back to you a blessing for you, the same measurement. Did you catch that? That's actually right out of Luke chapter 6. Check it out. Let's tie this together. Look what happens here. It says in Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Some people right now are like, oh God, I need you to bless me. Lord, I want you to bless me. I need some help financially. I need you to open the door for me. I want you to bless me with great relationship. Oh God, just bless me. Big. God bless me big. God goes, oh, I'm going to bless you big. I'm going to really bless you. Yeah, God, come on, just bless me. God goes, okay, give me that spoon you just used. Here you go. There you go. And you're like, can you bless me with a shovel? And he's like, oh no, see, you didn't read the scripture, did you? See, see the way you measured out is how I measured out. So, so the teaspoon you used, I'll measure, I'm gonna bless you. I mean, I I'm gonna keep my word, but the teaspoon you've been using is what I'm gonna use back. So here you go, here's your blessing, there you go. Oh, but God, I want a shovel, then you gotta bring the shovel and then I'll bring my shovel. And some of us are like, you know what, Lord, I wanna do a great thing for you. I wanna bless you, I wanna be sacrificial. Lord, back it up, boys. I wanna give some God something big. Beep, beep, beep. God says, oh, that's how we're gonna roll, no problem. Back it up from heaven, let's go. Beep. Beep, beep. I want you to bless them right now because they chose to be sacrificial for me. The same measure is the same measure God blesses us in return. Please keep that in mind. Now, I want to just say this too. I want to stop real quick. Jesse was an elder. He was a leader. Elder means spiritually mature in age and wisdom. That's what an elder means. And so right now, I want to take a moment if I can. I want to step out of the message. I want to, I want to ask you for something right now. And so as your pastor, you know, the last year we've been doing a special offering uh, that's all going towards uh, debt reduction and evangelism, and, and most of it's debt reduction. And so I just want to tell you, in the next four weeks are critical to our debt reduction. We are completing the sale of some land. Also, we've been saving up out of our regular uh, offerings as well as the uh, above and beyond offering. And we're really close to being able to, to do a massive pay down. I'm going to explain in more detail in four weeks, but I want to ask you as your pastor right now, I'm talking only to the elders right now, I'm going to talk to the leaders. If you consider yourself a leader of this church, I'm talking to you. Will you for the next three weeks help me, help the church? Will you step up? So I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to give above and beyond what I've already committed to God. And so will you join us in that? 
We need three weeks of really strong offerings, and we're going to be able to do a higher pay down of debt than we even thought we were going to do initially. So that's good news, but we have to step up. So can you join us in that? Will you do that? You know, there was like, well, pastor, I was going to do something big. I'll do it now. We appreciate that. We're thankful you're helping us do that. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to challenge you for the next three weeks to do that. On the fourth week, we're going to tell you what we're able to do on the pay down based upon how we finish out our commitments. And so we're at, we're at the halfway point, by the way, with our commitments. So if you'll just continue to be faithful towards that, all of it is going to go towards the debt pay down. Even if you say, but I'm, I'm still doing debt pay down later. We're not, we're not done with debt pay down. That's not going away. And so, but thank you for your help. The next three weeks are critical. And so if you consider yourself a leader of the church, thank you for weighing in. We need you now. And we appreciate that. God's blessing the church in a great way, but we want to be faithful with that blessing. So again, thank you for all that you're doing. By the way, on that note, can I tell you something that our auditor just told us? We, we get audited every year on, by choice. I know you're like, I do not want to be audited in my business, right? Well, we choose to be audited every year. And so we want you to feel comfortable with where you give, uh, that we're faithful. And uh, I just want to tell you, our auditor said something this year that I've never heard them say before. Um, it was amazing uh, that we, we normally get really good reviews. We've passed every audit we've ever had, by the way, in the history of our church. And so, uh, but this year, they always sit down with me as the president of the organization, whatever that means, and they ask you questions. They're like, well, I need to, you to answer this survey and this. So they ask me, you know, was there any fraud, anything you've seen funny, anything you're nervous about? We just go through these questions. And then he, he said, hey, I got one last question for you that's not on my list, but I, if it's okay with you. I said, yeah, what's your question? He said, is it okay if we, as an organization, this is the, the, the uh, CPA firm we use, is it okay if our organization uses your church as an example to other churches? I was like, yeah. Why would you say that? So if you're like me, I want to know like, yes, that's awesome. What did you see that you liked so much? And he said, honestly, he said, you guys have some of the best practices in how you handle money. He said how you handle cash, it's very secure, the way you handle things, the way it's distributed, the way it goes into the budget, and how it's processed. He goes, you have very tight processes. And so I just want to tell you that so you can feel strongly in knowing that when you give to Church Unlimited, you're giving to an organization as being very responsible with that gift. So thank you for your support. Give God some glory. Praise God. So. So Jesse was financially astute. He also was generous with God and God was therefore blessing him in return. The same measure with which he gave to God, God gave back to him. And then the last thing, fathers, that we can do is this. Number five, Jesse supported his children in their pursuits. He supported his children in their pursuits. There's a little part that's tucked away in the story of David and Goliath where David wasn't in the army yet. He was still watching sheep and he, David was running back and forth between Washing sheep for his dad and working for the king to play in the harp, which is kind of like college jobs. You know what I mean? That's kind of what you do. You're running around here, 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 back and forth, crazy, right? And you're broke the whole time. That's college, right? And so you forget how much you're growing during that. Some of college growth isn't your classes. It's the suffering and the struggle in it, like that you actually grow. That's part. That's what I'm looking for as an employer, that, that someone who hires people. Like, I'm not, it's not really what your degree's in. Did you get it? Did you put in the work? Did you stay with something? You know, so there's power in that. So that's what David was doing at this point. But in that, Jesse one day said, hey, David, grab some food. I want to send you to the front lines to check on your brothers because they were all in the army. He said this. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grains and these 10 loaves of bread. Carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. Very smart. Always honor the authority, right? He's like, hey, let's get a little charcuterie board going here. Give that to the captain, right? That's what he does. 
See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Now, of course, the best story about David is right after this when he kills Goliath. But we're focused on Jesse today. Notice Jesse says, get some stuff together. Let's get some food together. Take it and check on your brothers. What is, what is Jesse doing here? He's supporting his kids. He's showing up. He's saying, hey, I want to check and see how they're doing. You know what, Dad? You being there is, is a game changer. Just your presence alone makes a huge difference. You know, I remember as a kid when I played, uh, I played high school football. And when I say that, that means I, I sat on the bench. But I was on the team. I think they legally had to make me be on the team. I think that's, anyways, I was on the team. I look good in my uniform. I mean, at the end of the, the game, I still look good, perfectly clean uniform. I still look great. <laughs> anyways, but I remember sitting there on the bench. I, I'd get like two or three plays max, you know. But I remember sitting there and every time the game started, I would always turn around looking and I'm looking for my dad. I just, I wanted to know he was there, right? How many of you guys remember doing that? Looking for your family? It's just their support was a big deal. And just seeing my mom and my dad there, it just, it was a game changer for me. Knowing my dad to this day as a grown man, my father is in his 80s and I still sit down and talk to them about church, about God, what God's doing. And I'm still grateful when he tells me he's proud of me. Your words have so much power. One time I said some things to my kids that were really hurtful. And my, my wife sat me down. She said, Bill, you have no idea the power of your words. And I was so broken. I felt, I just, I knew I'd screwed up. And I went to each of them and told them, I'm really sorry. I should have never talked to you like that. Because she told me something that really hit me. She said, do you realize, think about what you said. And, she, and now think about this. Imagine your father saying that to you. Oh, it really hit me. Our words have such weight. The good news is that a really sincere, I'm sorry, also has weight. So if you will just own it and just take responsibility for it and go to your kids. I've, I've had to do it. I've had to do it multiple times. I've had to go to Mason. I've had to go to Cole. I've had to go to Sophie and say, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was really dumb. I'm really sorry. You deserve better than that. I've had to do that. I think the reason why they're willing to listen to me today is because of a sincere sorry. But I just want to tell you, your words matter. And even if your kids are, are pursuing things you're not crazy about, supporting them shows you're crazy about them. Even if the avenue they're going down is not one you like, you can still support them. When parents come to me and say, man, my kids are making lifestyle choices, I can't stand by. I always tell them, love them. Just love them. You don't have to agree with it. Just love them. But, but they're doing this, they're doing, I, I know. But you just, you just love them. Because everyone needs a loving father. I don't care who you are. In fact, if you didn't have that, you probably would have what we call the father wound, where you need God to bring some healing in the area of your life. And I believe that can start today. Maybe just admitting it, saying, God, I'm, I've been burned. I, 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 maybe you had to say, I hate my dad, God. How do you, how do you love a heavenly father and, and hate your earthly father? God may need to bring some changes there. And he can begin to soften your heart, even if they never come and say they're sorry. A father's wound is real, but a father's love and a father filling you with support is also very real, very tangible, and it really changed your life. In fact, if you were to take a statistical, they've done this. If you look at statistically at the most fatherless communities in our country, they're the most crime-ridden, violent-oriented communities. The most unstable places in the world are all places that are virtually fatherless. 
That's the impact. Whether you show up or don't, that's the impact you have. You're a game changer. Did you know the Bible talks about the word father? It says the word father over a thousand times. It only says the word love 500 times. It uses the word father twice as much as the word love. It uses it 10 times more than the word grace. That's the power of a heavenly father and an earthly father. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to take a moment, just a ministry moment here. Maybe today this is tough for you. Maybe your hang up with coming to Christ has been over your earthly father. Maybe it's time to realize that there's a heavenly father that, that hasn't blown it, that loves you, that's there for you. And, and God gave his son. It's amazing. I mean, I mean, here we have a picture of Jesse gave his son to Israel, but his son didn't have to die. Again, we see story after story where people give their sons, they're willing to give, and then no one had to die. But then suddenly God gives his son and, and his son did have to die. Jesus died for our sins. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. You can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. Your prayer can be this. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. If you just did that, no one's looking around at all of our campuses right now. Would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ? Just hold your hand high. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. We see that hand online. Thank you. You can put in the text chat online right now. Just, just text the word hand raised. We know. We know what you get. You gave your life to Christ. Praise God. If you're watching through our prison ministry, write us a letter. We'll write you back and just tell us, I gave my life to Christ. Right in that moment, Pastor, when you were praying it, I prayed it too. Hold your hand high right now. Come on, Rodfield. Come on, Stone Oak. Hold your hand high. Come on, Padre Island. You just gave your life to Christ. Raise your hand high. Come on, Rockport. Hold that hand high. You just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Hands going up all across our churches right now. Praise God. Thank you. We see those hands. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. Praise God. And for the dads today that gave their life to Christ, you have no idea. Because Christ is not just going to change your life. He's going to change your entire family because of you, Dad. You gave your life to Jesus. It changes everything. When my father gave his life to Christ, it changed my entire family for generations. I'm a Christian today because of my mother and my father and their faithfulness to God. You put your hands down, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today you need God to begin to heal that father wound. Let, let God speak this over you now. Would you just let God use a very imperfect father right now who's talking to you? I believe God is saying to you, I love you. I know of your wound, and I am a big enough God to heal you. Let God begin that process of healing a father wound in you. Yeah, maybe dad didn't always get it right in your life, but you know what? Your heavenly father will. Praise God. In fact, he'll even help you one day forgive your earthly father. Maybe today. Maybe it's a decision you make. Say, Lord, I don't want to carry this. I don't want to carry this anger anymore. You don't forgive your dad because they deserve it. You forgive your dad because you deserve it. Maybe that's your prayer today. Say, God, I just, I'm just going to let it go. I forgive them. And now here's your prayer. You can say, God, make me the dad I didn't have. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Maybe yours is make me the mom I didn't have. Make me the friend I didn't have. Make me the spouse I didn't get the first time around. I want to be a spouse that I didn't get. 
Let God raise up a fresh a newness in you, and that begins with forgiveness. Thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for Jesse. He didn't always get it right, God. But Lord, thank you that he did raise David right, and all of Israel was blessed because of that. Lord, we know that when we raise our kids right, our entire communities get blessed. So Lord, we will do our part. We thank you for the inspiration of a good, not so perfect father who loved you and loved his family. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.